This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Good morning. I'm Ann Romer sitting in for Jim Lang this week. Welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Toronto Sun sports reporter Steve Buffery joins us for the first time. Recently, Steve was trackside and witnessed the amazing performance by the Philly Moira in the Queen's Plate. A member of the Etobicoke Sports Hall of Fame, Steve joins us today to not only talk about the Queen's Plate, but also some other highlight races that he has covered during his Hall of Fame reporting career. Also, if you're planning on making a trip to Woodbine Mohawk Park tonight, then please listen up as friend of the show, Woodbine Entertainment Senior Manager of Communications, Mark McKelvey, joins us. He's going to talk about tonight's Canadian Pacing Derby and Maple Leafs Trots Stakes, but also about some of the action on the thoroughbred side of Woodbine this afternoon. And tomorrow, Clinton Raceway hosts its season finale that includes the 42nd Annual Charity Driving Challenge, which has some of Canada's best harness racing drivers competing in the contest, including teamsters like friends of the show Bob McClure and James McDonald, and soon-to-be friends of the show Jody Jameson, Doug McNair, and many others. Shortly, we'll be joined by friend of the show, Tony Elliott, Clinton's marketing director. We'll talk about the driving challenge and also other plans that will be taking place in tomorrow's stellar closing day card at Clinton Raceway. That is a must hear. And finally, he's back. My co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to pinpoint some potential betting gems at Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and other North American tracks that are racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a fabulous show, so get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to rock and roll today. When we come back, my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horseman's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government, and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. 
Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, sitting in for Jim Lang, and it's a pleasure to be sitting across from my co-host, Larry Simpson. How are you, Larry? I'm doing okay. How about you, Ann? Well, just great. Thank you. So I know you had a busy week, and you've got some interesting information about the CTHS Ontario yearling sale that took place. What happened, and what was that about? Well, we... um our listeners will probably understand we've had Peter Berenger, the president of the show. This was kind of a key sale for them this year. Uh, uh, they were promoting it and uh, trying to move it forward. And I think uh, their hard work and that and uh, you know really helped because uh, it was a, it was a good sale for them. The gross sales increased by twenty two percent over wow. last year. The sales average increased by twenty eight percent. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I think the sale topper, uh, sale topper was one hundred and fifteen thousand mm. dollars, which was was good. And there was a lot of other horses selling for very good money in that. Yeah. So I think the you know the Ontario breeding business is starting to uh, to pick up. Where COVID's in the back mirror now, I guess you could say. And yeah, I think everybody was was happy out of those results. This is radio. Can you set the scene? What what? what? does it look like? How does it operate? How does a yearling sale go from start to finish? Well, it actually starts, uh, you could say, months and months ahead of time because people are trying to get the, the well, they get them broke and, and, and trained that they can, you know, walk and, and show well in that. And then uh, they, they ship into the sales pavilion usually about uh, one or two days before the sale. And that allows the potential buyers to go around and have a look at horses and, and look at because there is a sales catalog that goes out about a month before the sale, and the people will go through the sale catalog, look at the pedigrees. They'll see pedigrees that they like, and they'll choose to look at those horses usually, and, and uh, with their trainer. And uh, that's uh, you know basically how it happens. And then they'll go back probably on the sales day, and they'll look again at these same horses, and and see you know maybe you know there's something that they didn't like, and or maybe there's something they like better now. And so that's, and then the next process is the actual uh, sale itself. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a long process. It's a long day, but uh, it, it's a fun day. And, and it was good to see, you know, a, a, a well-attended sale. Like I was, I was there for most of the day and it, it was great to see this uh, good attendance and that. And out of curiosity, when, when potential buyers are looking at the yearlings, what are they looking for? What are they sensing? What are they trying to ascertain? Well, they're looking for, I was always told you, you look for a good head on a horse because that, that shows, uh, you know, that the, the horse has maybe, you know, got a brain, you could say that, or, and is not going to be a handful. They also, the way the horse stands, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, how well put together it is. You look at its legs and make sure that, uh, you know, that there's not, nothing crooked or, or that. And, uh, so yeah, you um, you've got experts out there, trainers. Most trainers are experts in being able to, uh, uh, you know, find the uh, you know a, a good caliber horse by looking at it, and and they know what they're looking for. And uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of an expertise you could say you know when it comes to that process. You know, Larry, there are many moving parts when it comes to the business, the industry, the passion of horse racing, and one of those areas of of interest is horse racing writing and I think what comes to mind is that the person that I that that I think of as probably one of the only horse racing writers in Canada for a newspaper Toronto Sun Steve Buffery and he joins us now on Ponies 24-7. Steve Buffery welcome to the show great to have you with us. 
Nice to be with you, Ann. And Larry Simpson is with us as well, of course, my co-host, the man about the hour. Okay. All right, let, let's get, get right down to business here, Steve. Talk about the Queen's Plate. You were there, I saw you there, and uh, yeah. Moira. Is she the real deal? Right. Oh, I think so. I mean, I think her last two races, uh, uh, that was pretty certain, Larry. I think I, I found the race, you know, amazing just because of, uh, you know, the fact that a Philly hadn't won in a few years. And uh, it's always great, I think, when a Philly wins. And to me, what made Moira winning the plate, Larry, extra special was the fact that the backstory involving Kevin Attard leading up to the plate, mm-hmm. and, you know, the fact that he had been in, He'd been, I think, six before that. He had 11 horses entered in total, never won. And, you know, he, he put the pressure on himself in a huge way, not just this year, but in the last few years saying that, you know, I'm one of the leading trainers of Woodbine, but if I don't win this, this race, I'm not going to be considered one of the great at, at Woodbine ever. I mean, he put that pressure on him. And I told him, I said, Larry, there's been Hall of Fame trainers at Woodbine that haven't won the plate. He goes, I don't care. And the, and, and the analogy he gave us was, this is my Stanley Cup. I haven't won the Stanley Cup yet, so that's what it's all about. And and the other thing is leading up to the race, I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but he had lost he had lost two young horses that week in the week leading up to the plate. Wow, that that speaks so highly of of his discipline, his self discipline, and his courage. That's unbelievable. That that backstory. I want to move back to Moira and watching the race. And I'm I'm more of a of a an observer rather than an aficionado, obviously. But she took off like a shot in the home stretch. Where did that come from? Well, I mean, she had it in her. I mean, Kevin said you know, before the race, he can win any number of ways. He can win on the stocking race or, you know, but the bottom line, she proved that, you know, what she did at the Woodbine Oaks was no fluke. She, she, she's the real deal. And, uh, you know, uh, the only unfortunate part about it Anne, is that, um, you know, everybody was sort of hoping that he would, uh, you know, uh, aim Moira towards the triple crown, you know, the, the Prince of Wales on September 13th and then the, the Breeders' Cup. And unfortunately, uh, Queen's uh, Moira's handlers have decided to go a different way. They're going to go. Uh, they're going to look for a Grade One stake in the uh, U.S. So that's sort of the downside of the whole thing. It'd be nice if we had somebody uh, going for the Triple Crown again, but it's not meant to be. But yeah, it was awesome. Okay, talk about yourself now, Steve. How long have you been pr- reporting on horse racing, and how did you get that job as a sports reporter on horse racing? Uh, well, I've, I've been sort of reporting on it off and on, Larry. I mean, I've done pretty well every beat at the Sun. And some beats, you know, you know, I've got different bosses, too, and some of them encourage me to do woodbine when I can. Like right now, my sort of, my, my main beat is um, Toronto FC. That's where I am right now. But uh, my boss, Bill Pierce, always says to me, look, if you got a, a weekend day or some time, you know, between training and stuff, go do, do some uh, horse racing stories for us. Because, I've always been interested in horses. I grew up just south of the track. We used to go to the track, ride our bikes up Carlingview, uh, and watch the horses. Then I had a buddy from the neighborhood become a jockey, Joey Below us. Mm-hmm. So we go and watch him, and he'd try to give us tips, which, you know, sometimes <laughs> worked out, oftentimes not. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, no, no, no. Um, so, yeah, so I've always been interested in the track. And then when I got hired at the Sun in 1985, my boss at the time, George Gross, made me the um, harness racing uh, beat reporter. And, of course, I knew nothing about harness racing. I mean, I grew up watching the thoroughbreds. But 
you know what? I learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was at Old Greenwood there. <laughs> and uh, it was a good start. And I mean, it was just a gold mine of stories back then. And the great part about, about it was the Old Green was like 10-minute drive down Queen Street from my office. So it was just awesome. And the other great thing, Larry, was... I don't know if you remember, Mike Rutsey, he used to work at our place. He's yes. a baseball writer. Mm-hmm. And he was there for a while. He was the head of the uh, media department there. So whenever they had like a something special going on, they set up a tent with steaks and shrimp. So he called the Sun Sports Department. We'd all jump in a cab and whip down there and partake in the, uh, the food and the beer. And then we'd get back to the office and half of us would fall asleep in the office. <laughs> and finally, George Gross called him up and said, don't invite my writers to your things anymore. They're useless after. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty awesome. You know, Steve, I, I've listened to your stories, uh, and I think about you as a writer, a sports writer, but with this particular beat now when you can, and that's horse racing. Horse racing is such a visual sport. Where do you find the power in your pen or in your keyboard today to be descriptive so that it makes a person feel that they are right there with you? Well, you know, and to me, it all still comes down to the personalities and people. I mean, in any sport, like, you know, I'm not a big one on describing, like, how a game or a race broke down. I will. I'll do that sort of, you know, in a nutshell. But to me, it's all about the backstories, people, like the, like the Kevin thing, Kevin Attard thing with Moira. I mean, uh, I know kind of it wasn't the kind of story that Woodbine wants you to write because, it, you know, it shows a, sort of the tough side of the sport. But that's what I love. Like I, you know, a lot of times if I'm, if I'm going to do a column on a horse racing person, they'll say, well, you want to do it over the phone. And I always prefer to do it face to face because to me, you get, you know, you get more, way more personality and that kind of thing. Um, you know, phone interviews are sort of cold and, and personal, but you know, not, not this one, of course, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's what I love to do. And, yeah. you know, and I find as a guy who's covered basically every beat in Toronto, in terms of sports, all you know, Leafs, Raptors, Jays, this one. Um, to me, it all comes down to people more than anything. So that's how I approach it. In and very good point, well taken. Yeah, yeah. I think you kind of touched on something too, uh, Steve, that the media covers horse racing a lot differently now than it did when you started, and even when I started. Right. So, it, it, mm-hmm. why is that? You know, Larry, I don't know. I, can't, I really don't know the answer to that. All I know is when I got again hired in 85, the Toronto Sun had two full-time horse racing, horse racing riders. We had a full-time harness racing guy and a full-time um, thoroughbred guy. And all the other papers had a beat guy, too, on on on, um, on horse racing. And the other thing, too, Larry, is if you, I'm sure you remember, all the big-time general sports columnists of the day, the Jim Proudfoots and guys like that, they love horse racing as well. So, you know, their number one sports columnists love doing horse racing, which unfortunately we don't have today. And the sad part is, you know, I'm the closest thing to a full-time horse racing beat writer probably in the country, and, uh, and I'm not full-time. And I, I go out of, out of my way to make time to do horse racing stuff. And, you know, the reason, I think part of the reason, Larry, is that, you know, when I was a teenager, the major, the major sports in Toronto were simple. It was the Leafs, the Argos, and Woodbine. Yep. And mm. since then, you know, we've had the Blue Jays come in, the Raptors come in, we've got the Indy now, we've got all this other stuff. And unfortunately, 
horse racing has sort of been notched down the list. I mean, I won't mention the paper, but Canada's largest newspaper doesn't even cover the Queen's Plate anymore. They rely on a Canadian press, which to me is very, very sad considering the interest in the race and the tradition of that race and everything else. And it's just, you know, I, I it's a really unfortunate situation. On the other hand, now we've got all this social media, so you've got horse racing being covered in ways that it wasn't covered 20, 30 years ago, right? So mm-hmm. horse racing, to me, Larry, is more of a social media-type uh, sport now. You know, you've got, you know, all the, all the horse racing websites now, and people follow the sport more than ever online. So to me, that, that's, a, that's a positive. Wow, you've really opened up your heart, and and it's amazing. What I notice as a fill-in co-host with Larry Simpson here on Ponies 24-7, the groundswell of support and interest for a show like this has just been incredible over the past, what, 18 months that you've been on the mm-hmm. air? It, it, it shows that there is a, awesome. a reason and a purpose and a need for a show like this, for a need for a writer like you writing about horse racing. But, you know, it, it's, it's getting the message out, but you do a great job, Steve. Thanks. Well, you know, it's funny, like, you go to the Queen's Slate and the press box is full. The only difference is it's not uh, traditional writers anymore. Like there's me and there's uh, Ronnie Gerkin from the Daily Racing Forum and there's Dan Ralph from Canadian Press. But the rest are like all the different websites, which in a way is great, you know, because you can see the interest is still there. It's just not the way it was, like, say, 30 years ago. Like the, like the good old days. <laughs> when we were right, just exactly. little babies looking through the slats <laughs> in our cribs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was covering horse races when I was five. So. <laughs> Natch. <laughs> yeah, well, I was three, so I got you beat by two years. And I so. wasn't even born, <laughs> yeah. gentlemen, so, so there. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, Steve, thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll have to have you on again. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Steve Buffery. When we come back, Woodbine's Mark McKelvey stay with us for more Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at cosaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bread, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, 
Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7. Tonight, big stakes races at Woodbine Mohawk Park, hosting the $650,000 Canadian Pacing Derby and the $610,000 Maple Leaf Trot, plus several other stakes events. And good friend of the show, Woodbine's communications manager, Mark McKelvey, joins us to talk about not only the, the action at Woodbine Mohawk Park tonight, but also some of the great thoroughbred racing at Woodbine this weekend. Mark, welcome back to the show. Oh, good morning. How are you guys doing? Better for hearing your voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, all is good on my end, and uh, thanks for having me on. Okay. Well, it's great to have you, Mark. Let's uh, let's talk about tonight's uh, Woodbine Mohawk card uh, first, uh, especially Canadian Pacing Derby and a horse by the name of uh, Bulldog Hanover. How special is he? Very special to answer your question. <laughs> uh, what he's done this year has just been absolutely remarkable, and uh, I think maybe lost in all the the hype and the, and the. Uh, praise that he's been getting is that he's uh, homegrown essentially for us here at Woodbine Mohawk Park. He's trained by Jack Darling, who is based out of Cambridge. He's co-owned by Brad Grant from Milton. So you kind of got both sides of Mohawk Park covered there. And, and we had the chance to watch him uh, start his career here as a, as a two-year-old and, and continue to grow through his three-year-old season. And then here now in his four-year-old campaign, even today, I'm still absolutely amazed that we've seen a horse go that fast uh, in oh. the harness racing game because uh, it was almost unheard of, and I, I know I hear from some of the old timers who talk about breaking two minutes. Well, mm. now we got a horse <laughs> that goes one forty-five and four. But uh, he's Ontario sired, and and just uh, an absolute treat to watch. And, and with each start over this uh, run that he has been on, he never looks tired. It, it never looks like it's difficult for him. So uh, going into this Canadian Basing Derby, it's really hard to imagine any scenario where. He doesn't come out on top, but of course, it is a horse race. It is, and that's what makes it exciting. So Bulldog Hanover, do you think it's breeding or is it training? What makes him so special and so fast? Yeah, I think it's probably just the evolution of the breed over time. And uh, you know, the horses have been pushing these kind of times in recent years. So uh, I guess while it's almost, it is unheard of, uh, I guess if there was a time we knew we'd probably get to this point. That being said, I think Jack Darling's really managed this horse well and uh, he's taken really good care of him. Through his two- and three-year-old years, he didn't have to do a whole lot of traveling, which I think uh, maybe was a benefit for what he's been able to show here at age four, the fact that he was able to stay local for the most part. Um, late last season, they took him to Indiana, and he was able to get a stretch of starts in there and some uh, minor stakes events. And I just think basically having him on a good routine and, and taking good care of him has probably led to him being just perfect shape as he has been this uh this season and what's incredible too is after his three-year-old season i think a lot of people thought he was a really good horse uh i mean now they think he is exceptional and, mm. and he's in that great category but for those out there that were able to breed their mares to the bulldog Hanover this past uh, uh winter you think about the fact that uh when they made that decision uh they had no idea he was going to become the the fastest standard bred of all time so uh uh, talk about some luck on their side, and uh, I'm thinking going forward that stud speed is going to certainly increase quite a bit. A bit of a goat in this horse, the greatest of all time, it seems. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I think, um, you know, we can make those arguments from generation to generation of, uh, you know, which horses uh, were, would have been the greatest of all time had they faced head-on, but uh, right now I can tell you, I don't think anybody would want to piece the Bulldog Hanover in the uh, shape that he's in. Yeah, all right. Let's uh, let's switch gates now. Let's talk about the uh, Maple Leaf Trot tonight. You got ten horses, some of the best in North America, and of course a horse by the name of uh, Araja won it, won it, right? So uh, winner of the Cashman, and uh, you've also got a Hamiltonian winner in there in Forbidden Trade. So 
interesting field. Yeah, it's a really good field. Unfortunately, um, and I guess I can kind of break some of this news here, Al Raja 1 is uh, going to be scratched, or he is scratched from tonight's race. Uh, unfortunately, he has suffered an injury, oh, okay. and uh, I don't have many details at this time exactly what that is, but I kind of heard some rumbling, rumbling through the week, and I talked to a few people uh, in the New Jersey area where the horse is based with trainer Oka Swanstead, and uh, I just heard some rumblings that he might be scratched, and sure enough, uh, that was confirmed. Uh, they scratched him. They, they informed the race office uh, not too long ago that uh, he won't be able to go tonight, which is really too bad because he's just been a treat to watch this season and was kind of a bit of an unknown when he came here, just like some of the European horses are. Sometimes they come with such star power. This is one that had had a lot of success there, but when he came here, he just took everybody by storm with just some incredible performances, most notably the way he was finishing up his race. is just sweeping by his rivals with such ease and such power. Um, but unfortunately, uh, an injury has occurred here, and um, you know I don't want to speculate too much. But by the sounds of it, it, it might seem sidelined for a little bit. So uh, you know I hope uh, it's a speedy recovery. I hope we get to see him compete again, especially because this is a year where we're hosting the Breeders' Crown at Woodbine mm-hmm. Mohawk Park. So it would have been a chance to get two looks at a horse like that, not just in the Maple Leaf Trot, but also later in the fall. So you take him out of the race, and it definitely changes the complexion. I think uh, while everyone hates to see a good horse um, not be able to compete. Uh, it opens the door for several others in that race because I think a lot of people might have been almost conceding that he would come out on top. And now a horse, like you mentioned, in Forbidden Trade, uh, he's always capable of stepping up in the big moments. Fashion Frenzy is a local horse that's been uh, racing tremendous this season, and I think he hasn't uh, had that chance yet to really shine on the Grand Circuit stage. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up a big performance tonight. So I think the locals all of a sudden are probably licking their chops a little bit, knowing that uh, <laughs> I guess the, the big star isn't going to be competing tonight. Good that you put a positive spin on everything. So can we talk about the importance of the month of September to Mohawk and all of the stakes races? It's, it's the best racing you'll find at any time of the year, I think, in the standard red game. I don't think it matters if it's in Canada, the U.S., or uh, you know, overseas. You just look at the races that we're able to put on over a month stretch um, with the races tonight that we mentioned going for 600,000 plus each in the pacing derby and the Maple Leaf Trot. And then you look ahead later this month and just a couple Saturdays from now, you'll have the Canadian Trotting Classic. That's another race for over half a million. And then, of course, the Mohawk Millions coming up on September 24th. And we're already to the third edition of that race, which a lot of people were very skeptical of a concept where you needed owners to put up big money to buy a slot in the race they were skeptical that that would be able to succeed and here we are now in the third year of it and i think it continues to grow with each season so there's a million dollar race that's coming up on september 24th and the one thing uh, i guess i could say that um out of the mohawk million that maybe i i kind of get a little disappointed in is the fact that it almost overshadows the metro pace which is my favorite race every year it's for the best two-year-old pacers it's got a purse of eight hundred thousand, so um, it's hard for a race like that to be overshadowed. But when it's going on the same night as a million dollar race, it, it just shows you um, the kind of menu of races we're able to offer this month, and and you're going to get to see the best of the best. So you know, in a case like tonight with the Maple Leaf Trot, where you see a star horse scratched, uh, you just go down the card and you go, "There's another one. There's another one." A lot of award winners, horses that will be award winners, uh, potential Hall of Famers. So this is a it's a great month of racing and. 
uh, I encourage anybody, if they're really considering getting up to the track, this is the time this month because uh, you're going to get to see the best talent in the sport. And I guess if I can throw in a cheap plug tonight, everybody that comes out to Woodbine Mohawk Park, or I should say the first thousand people to come out to Mohawk Park, are going to get a Bulldog Hanover t-shirt. So even a little more incentive to come out to the races. Larry, let's go. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> well, I might be able to hold a couple of those shirts for you guys. Okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, Woodbine now. Uh, uh, you've got the Rico Woodbine Mile coming up. Uh, talk about the significance of uh, this race. Yeah, we just uh, announced here on Friday that there's 27 horses nominated to this year's Rico Woodbine Mile. It does include last year's winner in town cruise. And I, I think when we talk about the significance of the Woodbine Mile, um, it's interesting to compare it to the Queen's Plate because I think we all know what the Queen's Plate means to not just the horse racing industry in Ontario and in Canada, but what it means as a sporting event and as a, a significant um, event on the calendar each and every year in our country. I think a lot of people, for them that aren't just in the area, it's appointment viewing to watch the Queen's play. But when it comes to the Rico Woodbine Mile, I think it really puts us on the world stage. And when you have a, a million-dollar purse and you have some of the best horses uh, in the thoroughbred game that come to Woodbine to compete in this race on the E.P. Taylor Turf course going a mile, I think uh, it shines a great light on the product that we have and also our turf course, which uh, I think anybody that knows, we, you know, we're very proud of it and know that you know, we hype it as the best, the best turf racing in the, in the game. So it, it's a really important event for us because, like I said, it's going to shine a pretty big spotlight on us. And hopefully we get a really good field. It's shaping up 27 horses nominated, so we'll see mm-hmm. who ultimately decides to, to enter. And you look at that weekend, you've got the Natalma, you've got the Summer Stakes, so that's three Breeders' Cup winning your in races. So like I said, uh, eyeballs of the thoroughbred game will be on Woodbine. Any big names that you're hearing of when it comes to the Rico Woodbine Mile? Yeah, I guess you can kind of leave it open to everybody to want to go through that list. Um, I've had a quick glance at it, and, uh, you know, Fev Rover is a horse that uh, caught a lot of people's attention on Queen's Plate Day that uh, is eligible. Um, there's a few horses from Europe that, you know, we're not completely familiar with here that haven't raced in North America at all that are eligible. So uh, I would encourage everyone to go to woodbine.com, and uh, right there you can find the list of nominees. Of course, uh, nothing's confirmed, and, you know, we can't necessarily uh, be sure who will be in the race just yet, but as we get a little bit closer, um, it, it's shaping up to be what I think will be a really good field, and hopefully a good field size as well, because, um, you know, we know how important that is to the horse players, and, you know, we're excited to hopefully be able to put on a good show on September 17th. Before we let you go, I have to ask you this. Um, you were born into the horse racing business. Um, growing up, was there any chance that you would never become part of this industry? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever thought about it, I guess, because I was just always going to the track. I guess it was second nature, right? But uh, I love it, right? And I know everybody that uh, has heard me talk about it in the past. Um, you know, I'm passionate about racing. So to have been able to uh, find a career in it, um, a lot of people, for them, they grow up around the barns. And uh, I had a little bit of that uh, introduction as a youngster, but I grew up mostly on the business side of things. So uh, I didn't really necessarily picture myself being in the racing game as I was going through school and getting into high school but then I started thinking about it here's where I'm spending all my weekends here's where all my extra time is going towards is watching racing uh, it'd be pretty cool if we could tie this all together and uh, I've been pretty fortunate and really enjoyed and uh, I just hope that there's others out there like me that that have the passion for the game that uh, want to get involved and know that there's a lot of different routes you don't just have to be uh, out there on the racetrack or in the barns there's also some great jobs that get you involved on the business side of things and 
um, we love the sport, and I think that's what lets us uh, continue to enjoy our jobs. Wow, and you are so good at your job, and uh, thanks for communicating all of that. Woodbines Communications Manager Mark McKelvey, thank you very much for joining us on the show. All right, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. You as well, thanks. After the break, when we come back, Clinton Raceway's Tony Elliott joins us again on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at cosaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. This Sunday, Ontario Harness Track Clinton Raceway hosts its final race card of the year and a day that will see the 42nd annual Charity Driving Challenge take place, pitting some of Canada's best harness racing drivers against one another competing in this contest. Friend of the show, Tony Elliott, joins us now, and Tony is the man in charge of Clinton's marketing and promotions. Welcome back to the show, Tony, and Larry's here to say hi as well. (laughs) Hi, Tony. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? We're Excellent. good. We're good. All right. Let's start with you. Uh, uh, Sunday is closing day. How's business been so far or for the past uh, couple of months that you have been racing? It's been good. It's been, uh, it's been our first full year with full spectators. So it's, it's been certainly an adjustment from basically racing with, uh, with very limited fans or no fans at all. So it's, it's certainly climbing back to what we normally do back in 2019, but I think we've done a fairly solid job at that. We've been happy with the crowds that we've been able to get, and, and uh, our handle's been certainly strong throughout the season. Excellent news. And, Tony, this is Labor Day weekend. Is that an unusually early time to have a, a season finale, if you will? Uh, we start a little bit earlier in May, so then it's, uh, it's not... Uh, our 15 weeks are end a little bit sooner than some of the other tracks, but we start a little bit earlier, so kind of given a take everyone kind of has their beginning and ends a little bit staggered so it kind of helps help each track get a little bit of attention when they're still going or we start a little bit earlier things like that so it works out pretty good and by the end of the 15 weeks everyone's everyone's uh sad that it's ending but we're certainly thrilled that it's it's been as good as it has been 
And Sunday, besides being the uh, closing day, you're also hosting the 42nd annual Charity Driving Ch- uh, Challenge. Uh, talk about the charity and, you know, how does the competition work and who are some of the participating drivers? Yeah, so it's been going on for 42 years. Ian Fleming started back uh, back in the day, if you count back 42 years. I'm not sure what year that is, but uh, um, it's been it's been an unbelievably successful event, and, and Ian's done a fantastic job with Legends Day in this event. So it's, it, we're always excited to have it, and it's always a huge day, and, and the charity aspect is, is the most important part of it. And, and we've done it for the Legion, the Clinton Legion here, which we are doing again this year, but it's been other organizations have benefited from it as well over the years. And so over the 42 years, we've raised $343,000 for a bunch of local charities. So it's, it's a fantastic event. And, and the driver's challenge part always brings a ton of people out. Like last year, even with kind of COVID still being fairly ramped up, not as, not as quiet as it is right now, knock on wood, but uh, we still had our biggest crowd of the year last year. And it was, it was very, very busy. And we had our record handle last year. And so it's we're certainly our expectations are fairly high of what Sunday Sunday could be, and, and the drivers lineup couldn't be any better. The four uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park drivers are all O'Brien Award winners. Uh, Bob McClure, Jody Jameson, James McDonald, and Doug McNair are all are all coming to compete. And then our local guys, Tyler Borth, Tyler Moore, uh, Jay Harris, are all are all participating in our leading driver, Travis Henry, of course. And just a dollars and cents question: How do you raise money for the charity? Uh, so we have a fifty-fifty raffle on track, which we do every week here, and we have a silent auction. And then there's uh, we have a chicken dinner after uh, from Pine Ridge that everything all gets pulled together. And then the drivers also donate their earnings from oh. the day. Uh, so last year, I think we raised ten thousand on the day, and we're hoping to do more this year. Oh, fantastic! So. How does the competition work, uh, Tony? Is it the Mohawk drivers against the Clinton drivers, and it's a point system? Yeah, well, like uh, they're everyone's. Uh, it's like a free for all. Everyone's for themselves, but so it's fifty points for uh, if you win a race and, and it goes down as you finish lower in positions, obviously. So then it's uh, seven races, and at the end, the total points uh, obviously decides the champion of the whole thing. But it's. It's like their drivers versus our drivers, but it's more uh, everyone competing against each other. It's, it's very competitive. What do you think people will take away from the events tomorrow? And, and how will they sort of view Clinton Raceway as they go through the winter and anticipate a really brilliant reopening next spring? I think they'll enjoy the how competitive the races are. And think our last four races are, are Ontario Star Stage grassroots races. So you're kind of getting our regular our regular everyday horses are, are getting a little bit more spotlight with the with the driver challenge, and then obviously we bring in some stakes caliber horses at the end. And I think people will appreciate the the crowd we get here at Clinton. If you're ever coming out for the first time, people are people are normally surprised and, and thrilled when they leave how how passionate the fans are with with the racing we have here. And uh, the town of Clinton is very very supportive of the track, and it, it certainly shows on our big days and every day throughout the season. And you guys, meaning Clinton, seem to be very supportive of charities too, right? Because you, you've got the charity that you're they're driving for on on Sunday, and you've also had the you alluded to before the Legends Day uh, a couple of months ago, correct? Yeah, and that's that's Ian Fleming is gets all the credit for that. He started that back when he became GM here 
likely over 40 years ago. And that was always his mission is to, it's a great way to get people out and people come together to support, support charities. And it certainly benefits a lot of charities in the area. So it's always been, it's always been part of our mission statement and it, it will always continue. So it's, it's very, it's something that we're very proud of. And uh, if, if you ask Ian how much he, he like helped raise over the years, it would, it would likely be in the millions. Not that he would ever, ever say. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about you. How did you get involved in harness racing? I got involved. Uh, my dad actually worked as a groom for a short period of time at Bud Fritz's in Walkman. And my uncle was also uh, a groom out there. He, he was there long-term. He was actually a groom with Silver Rain. Uh, but he, like, that was kind of how the passion started. My uncle and my dad, uh, they used to go to every stake race in Ontario. And that, that was basically my childhood as well. Mm-hmm. My dad and I and my younger brother would go to the races pretty much every weekend, twice a weekend, during the week. It didn't matter. We were always at the track somewhere. Uh, so that was kind of where, like, I fell in love with it. And it, just like everybody else, you kind of, once you get the bug, you, it never really goes away. <laughs> so besides family ties, was there something else that attracted you to, uh, Harness racing? Um, I think, like, I think just the, the horses itself is, I've always, I could always appreciate the, the athleticism of the, the equine athletes. So I always was, it was once, once you see horse racing in person, you're, you're pretty shocked to see how, how uh, impressive the animals are. So like, once you kind of get that uh, hook, then you're, you just always enjoy seeing it. Like, and I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, I wouldn't even consider myself a better, like I don't really bet on any of the races, not and the tracks I work at, obviously I can't anyways, but I just enjoy the sport itself. And then once I, in school, I was trying to figure out basically what I want to do for living. And, and I realized I was in school for business. I realized there's a whole business side of horse racing that, uh, that I could tie my, what I learned in school into the actual business side of horse racing, be able to help it grow that way. How challenging was it for you, Tony, to get through the pandemic? Everybody had his or her own experience, but you as the marketing and promotions manager of Clinton Raceway, it must have been pretty tough these past couple of years. Yeah, it was certainly it's certainly interesting. Like we, we made the best of a, a poor situation, to say the least, but uh, um, I think it was just is what it, it is what it was. So it just, we didn't really everyone was dealing with the same thing. So it really wasn't like, it was disappointing for sure, but it was just, you kind of just had to make the best of the situation. I think we did a good job at that. But uh, this year, like when we're, we're back completely open is it was a totally different story. And it, it changes your, your game plan of how you approach stuff because it's, it's suddenly when you have people back on track, there's a lot of other things that need to come into play versus just trying to gain simulcast handle on a Sunday afternoon. And, and I guess, Tony, just because Clinton closes this uh, Sunday, you don't go on vacation <laughs> because you moved to Western Fair Raceway now, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, Western Fair is actually my full-time job, and I'm lucky that they're they're willing to let me help out at uh, Clinton during the summers. And obviously, Ian's, Ian is very great to work for, and I always enjoy coming back in the summers. But uh, Western Fair is where I, uh, where I spend uh, a large portion of my time. Where else do you go uh, after Clinton Raceway shuts down and says goodbye on Sunday? Uh, just just Western Fair. Like, that's my full-time job. So it's just uh, we just start getting ramped up for racing on the 30th of September. I, I help out at Hanver Raceway a little bit, too. Like, I work there full, full-time for a couple summers. But uh, I still help out there every, every so often. But it'll be basically just be London uh, full-time from here on out. 
Would you consider Ian Fleming being a bit of a mentor for you in this business? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I learned I learned pretty much everything I know from Ian, and uh, he's there's no better guy to work for. That's for sure. You know that I'm going to talk about this because it's something that it's it's I find it fascinating. May I tell the listeners right now your age? Sure. Okay. You're 23. You're just 23. <laughs> I just think that's incredible. How did you manage to to grow into a job that I think is very challenging on many fronts and you do it so well and at such a tender young age? I mean, that's inspiring. Well, I think just like my passion for racing, I was just, once I got, I was lucky enough to get the opportunities that I have. And then just with how much, I think my biggest asset is just how much I care about the business and the people that people that work in it that like once I had the opportunity that there was just there's no way that I was I was gonna let myself not succeed in it just because it meant so much to me and so much to the people that work in the business that that was something that I wanted to dedicate my working career to okay final question for you Tony uh, you're at Western Fair you're at Clinton you have helped out at Hanover you don't have any downtime <laughs> <laughs> I mean, depend depending who you ask. I, I don't uh, when you when you love it, it doesn't feel feel like work. So I mean, I always I always find time when I need to find time. But I, I always like staying busy, and it's good to when you're young, you might as well work because when you're older, you won't want to work as much. You are such uh, an inspiration, and it's pretty exciting what you've talked about. And I look forward to hearing great results out of the races tomorrow. And uh, and I hope that you have a big show of, of fans and that you have a wonderful end to the season. Tony Elliott, thank you so much for joining us on Ponies 24-7. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. We certainly appreciate your support. Coming up after the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and of course I'm racing at several other North American tracks, so make sure that your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to ontarioracing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. 
Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems? As Larry Simpson gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Take it away, Larry. Thanks, Anne. Let's start at Woodbine. They're offering a nice uh, nine race card today, including the running of the uh, Vice Regent Stakes. Uh, race six, though, is a maiden uh, special weight, five furlongs on the turf for two-year-old fillies, a purse of $126,800. That always amazes me what That's these big. horses are racing, maiden races are going for, right? So uh, number eight, the horse's name is Film, hails from... Friend of the show trainer, Josie Carroll's barn, and is making the all-important third start off the layoff. Philem made his first start on the tapita surface, where she was third as a beaten favorite almost a month later on July 23rd. Philem debuted on the turf, a surface she's actually bred for on both sides of it, actually. So uh, Philem was up with the pace in this event, but... Uh, kind of tired in the stretch, and that particular race that Philem was part of is also what they call a key race, with two other horses coming out of this race and winning their next start. So that's what we, we referred to in the racing business as a key race. And that. So I think it's uh, what's most notable of that, too, is a filly by the name of Cairo Consort won the Catch the Glimpse Stakes uh, a couple of weeks back with a 76 buyer at Woodbine. So you got a, a horse winning a stakes race out of the same race that uh, Philem raced in, right? So uh, Josie Carroll has worked Philem four times since his last race, and I'm looking for a big improvement in Philem's race today. So Woodbine race six, number eight, Philem. Excellent. And what's next, and where do we go? Yeah, isn't the the, the movie thing coming on <laughs> next week, uh, the uh, the festival downtown? You mean TIFF? TIFF, yes. yeah. Well, there's there's our hunch Film bet. at TIFF. Film at TIFF. There's our, <laughs> yeah, there's our, our, our hunch bet for today. I like that. Very good. I like yeah. that. Your hunch bet. Yeah, Film. I, that just came to me. Yeah, yeah. Smart man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Saratoga has a 13 race card today, as uh, their meet is kind of winding down very shortly. And uh, race one today is a maiden special weight for two-year-olds. It's one and a mile sixteenth on the turf for a purse of $105,000. So our maidens are going for a lot more money, right? So, but not, I guess, when you convert the money over. But anyway, number eight, General (laughs) Jim. (laughs) Yeah. Number eight, General Jim is a well-bred son of Into into Mischief. And General Jim actually debuted at Saratoga on August 13th at six furlongs on the dirt. <clears throat> Excuse me. It wasn't necessarily a bad race, as General Jim did make a five-wide move, only to flatten out and finish a well-beaten third. But General Jim did take some betting action that day, and he's had a couple of maintenance workouts leading up to uh, today's race. And stretch, stretching out in distance and racing on the grass, 
are both going to help this horse. Uh, they're both positive moves for this uh, general uh, Jim. His mother, um, inspired by Grace, was uh, by Curlin, and Curlin is known as a turf sire, and inspired by Grace herself, only won three races in her racing career before being retired to become a broodmare. And guess what? All those wins were on the grass. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so, excuse me, we've got grass today for uh, General Jim. So Saratoga, race one, number eight, General Jim. So we've talked about film. We've talked about General Jim. Where do we go next? We go to Delmar. And I'm just looking here. No, there's nothing about, well, the horse's name is Hawker, but... Yeah, there's no tie-in to No tie-in, no tie-in. I'm trying. Yeah. (laughs) Very trying. Yeah, so Delmar has a 11 race card today, and race six is a well-matched maiden two-year-old event. It's a maiden special weight at six and a half furlongs on the dirt. It's a purse of $80,000. Number 10, Hawker, debuted at Delmar on August the 6th, where he was well-regarded in this five furlong uh, uh, dirt sprint. Hawker is a son of Triple Crown winner Justify and raced very greenly in this debut race where he was very wide throughout. He lost a ton of ground in the turn for home, but he did close well in the stretch to just miss the win by a neck, finishing second. And this particular race, again, we're going to talk about a key race, is already a key race as the third place finisher, Carmel Road, has already come out of that race, returned to race and win his next start. So Hawker should like the stretch out to six and a half furlongs today. Gets a rider switch to Flavian Pratt, who's moved back to California to ride. And his trainer, John Sadler, excels with second-time starters with a 25% win rate. So finally, Hawker has three works since that August 6th race, and the last two are back-to-back five furlong workouts. So there's lots to like with this guy today. So Delmar, race six, number 10, Hawker. Last but not least? Well, Woodbine Mohawk Park has another tremendous car to racing tonight. We've talked about uh, the Maple Leaf Trot and the Canadian Pacing Derby and the various other stakes races. There's 12 races in total tonight. And race five is a one-mile pace for a purse of $25,000 with a field of 10 signed on. It's a basically a condition race. Number six, uh, Armour is, is on a two-race winning streak, two races back from post 10 at Woodbine Mohawk Park. Armour Sealster went wire to wire on the front end in 150 and 2. And last week, Armour Sealster raced in a preferred handicap at Rideau Carlton in Ottawa. And despite the seven post and being parked out most of the race, Armour Sealster powered away to win by two lengths in 151 and 4, which is a good time at Rideau Carlton. Since August 1st, this guy's form has really improved with three wins and a third place finish. And Armour Armour Sealster certainly likes to win races with five wins and 12 starts last season and four for 13 so far this year. So let's see if he can go five for 14 tonight. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race five, number six, Armour Sealster. Great work as always. Thank you. Hey, Larry, thanks so much for letting me sit in for Jim today. It was such a pleasure working with you. And I also, before we go, want to give a shout out, a big one to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing. So goodbye, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a little reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, which was recently released, email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 
Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma. For more information on this great cause, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca forward slash ponies. Please donate to the cause. Have a safe and happy long weekend, and thank you for listening. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson, has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.